Adewashid, Adewashid, Adewashid. Welcome to Hit the Six. We're back. It's been a little while, a couple of weeks at least, um, but we're back recording another podcast. Uh, lots to discuss, lots of international cricket in particular. The Bob Willis Trophy nearly reaching its conclusion as well. It's been a good, albeit a brief summer, a good summer of cricket, hasn't it, Michael? Yeah, I think I've really enjoyed it, actually. I struggled to get back into the Premier League when it returned after lockdown. Um, hopefully I might enjoy it today when it comes back, but cricket, I was straight back into it. And um, yeah, it was great to watch. And I think we did pretty well overall, you would say, across the Test Series. What about you, Rob? Um, yeah, I, I've loved it. I've enjoyed most of the sport on return. For me, the Premiership rugby has been quite underwhelming. But partly, I think, because it started back so late. It's like early August it restarted. So a huge gap uh, in time from, from when, like, obviously the initial break happened. Football, I got into a bit more. Cricket, I felt it was just frustrating it being delayed. But I think where some of the other sports, it lost momentum because it was broken up midway through with cricket. The summer started late. It's not quite as it was planned, but it's standalone. And it's because it feels, it feels like with the football and the rugby, like it's almost been a different competition, a different August 2019, so long ago that it... Yeah, you're right. Um, so I think it's worked well. Obviously, one thing I've found as it's gone on, I've got a little bit fed up of all the games only happening at two grounds. Well, how bored must the players have been? <sighs> like, the players have actually... Well, I mean, I suppose the England players, as, but also the tourists, they've come to a country and they've just seen the inside of the same hotel rooms for months. And I think you could really see it as well in the end of the tours. Like the West Indies really collapsed at the end. And I think they were just knackered and jaded from what must have been quite an arduous touring experience. Um, so fair play and thank you to them for coming over. Oh, yeah, it must be dull. Um, I, yeah, it must be so boring. I, and not- also like... And I think one of the cricketers spoke about it. I can't remember who it was. It was someone who'd been dropped uh, or who hadn't done well. Maybe it was Crawley. Um, and he was saying, you know, when you don't do well, you have nowhere to escape from it. No, it was Ollie Pope. It was Ollie Pope who said it. Um, you have nowhere to escape from it. You walk off the ground 20 feet and you're in your hotel room and you're overlooking the ground. So there's literally no escape from the cricket if you're not doing well. And no wonder Joss Butler needed a break and wanted to go and see his family for a bit. Like, fair enough. Oh, yeah. Who else has been there the whole time, pretty much? I mean, Joffre, apart from his little indiscretion, I feel like he's been in the bubble the entire way through. Anyone else? Um, not too many, because that's one of, we'll come on to it in a bit, the ODI lost to um, Australia last night. A lot of those the guys who played the Test Series then had the T20 lot off, and so they were away for a bit and have then come back again. Oh, no, Joffre not, did have the T20s off, you're right. Joffre. Yeah, so not many, not many people. I mean, but was probably one of the only ones who was in pretty much throughout, which is a tough call, like 10 weeks or whatever. It shouldn't be so good, Joss. It's your own fault. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but also I like the fact, like, I just won us a game and won us a series, so I'm now just going to take the, this week off and there's nothing you can do about it. But you know who will have said it in such a polite way? He will have just been, he will have just gone to the coaches and gone, look, it's all right if I do this. And they'll be like, yes, of course it's all right. Go. And it was his birthday. He went and spent his birthday oh, nice. with, with his uh, wife and oh, friends. No, no. I followed Josh Butler on Instagram. So, uh, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, I, I, yeah well, it, no, it's been, it's been good. And obviously, since we last spoke, it's been the culmination of the Pakistan T20 series. It was a, a draw. 
then uh, a fantastic series win against Australia in the T20s, now into the ODI series, obviously lost last night, but um, still plenty to play for in the last two games. Um, if you had to pick from all these games that we've had, the, the T20s and the one one day last night, what is the one, that maybe a moment or aspect again that's really st stood out to you? Have you got a highlight from these glut of 2020 internationals that we've had? I mean, the way Josh Butler finished the second T20 against Australia was wonderful. Well, Moeen and Joss, because they gave Adam Zampa the, other, the extra over. Maybe shouldn't have done that, especially as Moeen can't play pace at the moment. Um, and just the way that Josh Butler finished it off with that six, it was just so dismissive. Because at the beginning of that over, it was still a contest. It was still, it was still quite tight. And they just took him apart. And that, that for me, was the moment of um, my of the limited over summer so far. How about you? I, th I think for me was the, the moment in the, that last T20 against Pakistan where we did 12 off the last two and Tom Curran slaps this six over sort of extra cover to mean six off the last. And just that moment, that moment in between the two balls where you're thinking, no, no, surely not. Surely not <laughs> a player who's... I mean, not that Tom Curran's a bad player, but he's, he's no superstar. I think he's batting a bit high in the order for England. Coming in at seven... Um, but I think surely he's not going to go and pull this off. This would be incredible. I, that, for me, was a, a moment. I, I mean, the game that stands out, of course, was Australia's bottle in the first. Um, that was fun. No, that was fun. And that, and that was extraordinary. I mean, really extraordinary, actually, how they just completely collapsed. It was so England-like of them to collapse. They needed, what, like 30 or 30 balls? Six yes. or seven wickets in hand? Like, well, it was, 30, it was 34 or 30, or 39 or 34 with nine wickets in hand. I think I mean that is game over that should be absolutely game over but as I've read so many articles recently this England team doesn't know when to doesn't know when to stop doesn't know when it's beaten but I thought we did well there and I've seen a lot of praise go to Morgan for his captaincy and his fielding settings but I do sometimes think as well a little bit like I'm sure it was good captaincy but was it also just a massive bottle oh completely it was such poor game management how they I mean how Smith got out and caught in the deep and Warned about that as well. Yeah, and there was no need to. They just needed to knock singles around, which they'd seen from the England innings, that it, and this that the pitch wasn't necessarily the easiest to score on. And so there was no need to finish the game quickly. Just keep ticking it over and getting yourself in a position where you need tw 12 of the last two, six of the last if need be, or you know, maybe accelerate a bit towards the end, like England did against Australia in the second one, where we yeah. just knocked it about... Butler was happy with singles and then with that Zampa over went big and, and ended it quickly at the end. But you always it was felt that, game management that. Yeah, well, it, and it was learned from Australia's mistakes. There's this when you once you got yourself in a position where you were not necessarily ahead of the run rate, but were in a position where knocking it off maybe one boundary and over max is what was needed, then you could just milk singles because these players are good enough to do that against even top, top bowlers. There's another field always sufficiently spread that there are singles everywhere. And so just the way they like, kept going for big hits, glory moments, and suddenly Marcus Stoinis is left at the end. He can do a, an awful lot of the last and just swinging for the hills. And you knew the moment I saw him, a huge swipe and miss one at the start of that last over that Curran was bowling. You knew that it was... This is game, really, even though it went down to the... I think it went down to the lot. I'll tell you what, wonderful penultimate over from Chris Jordan to make it so hard for Stoinis. Yeah, well, they, they often say that the most important over at the end of a T20 is the 19th. Um, well, he always bowls it for England. Have you noticed that? 
Yeah. Because Jordan regularly bowls an ITP. Actually, he gave Ben Stokes an open goal in the 2020 final because he bowled a brilliant penultimate over. And then obviously, kind of Brathwaite happened. Um, but Jordan had bowled a really good over before it, which I think gets forgotten. Well, and rightly so it gets forgotten because Stokes gets <laughs> the start of the bowl. Nice four in the slot. Schlott, schlott, schlott. Right. schlott. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but anyway, Stokes has done much since then to make amends. So um, I mean, yeah, Stokes is. I saw a funny tweet yesterday, basically saying like, um, I think we're ending up sixty-four after twenty overs, and it was like stock in Stokes is going up or something like that, or stock at Stokes all-time high. Um, as we sort of crawled along, yesterday was a slightly. It was this. It was a bit of a shame, but I do think Australia are a pretty formidable one-day outfit. Hazelwood's a very good one-day bowler. Surprised he wasn't at the World Cup last year. And watching Stark bowl these 90-mile-an-hour toe-crushing Yorkers at will, it's difficult to get up the, up the runway as a batsman, you think. The bowling attack is good. Certainly on paper, it's very, very good. Coming Stark and Hazelwood is a... And then I think Stark's a different level of one-day bowler to Cummings, is all I'd say. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. But Cummings is just class. And so even yeah, better in Test cricket, he's still so good. And uh, Zampa's highly effective and... Other spin options, Maxwell. Ashton Agar's quite effective, actually, as yeah, well. Yeah, Agar, Agar's good. Long, long gone are those long, luscious black locks from Ashley's 2013. That was his <laughs> Um But you know, what you know what those two remind me of, actually? They remind me of a bit the England 2010 spin attack in the World Cup. What was it? Yardy and Swan. And Yardy just bowling absolute darts. That's basically what Ashton Agar does. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a fairly effective uh, bowlers. They're a good bowling attack. They spray it a little bit more than you'd expect, actually. So Stark does bowl and um, these fantastic Yorkers, but he does, in the T20s you saw it, he does bowl some boundary balls. He is, the occasional leg side wide creeps in when he's really trying to crank it up. And so they're maybe not quite as, I mean, they're still fantastic and one of the best bowling lineups you're going to come across in a one day game. Um, but they may be sound on paper, if you look at that highlight reel, slightly more indomitable than they are in in practice, but nonetheless very good. Their batting is, you feel, they're overly reliant on the top of the order. Yeah. But well, there's Steve Smith in one day, is, I think, is a pretty formidable proposition. I think T20 is not quite his game. And uh, Marcus Labashane as well, actually, has had a very similar rise in one day cricket as he has in, in, in tests. I find him, I don't know, I just find him the most annoying person. I really don't like Marcus Labashane. Something about his face and his hair and how good he is against us. But he really frustrates me. I, I really like him. I think he sounds like a stand-up chap. He comes across very well on the, on the test, uh, the Amazon Prime documentaries. Seems friendly. That's, see, that's the thing. I've heard good things about him, but he frustrates me when I see him. And he gives a lot of send-offs to batsmen, which I find annoying. Uh, well, but you, you get those people, though, with... Um, it's like I always say this, with golf. Matt Kuchar, the American golfer. I don't like him. I have no rationale. It's just his smile and the, and the cap he wears and the fact he's got slightly rosy cheeks. Apparently, he's one of the nicest men in golf. Everyone loves him. Everyone loves Matt Kuchar. But I just decided at age 14, I don't like this bloke. And ever since then, <laughs> whatever he's in, the, in the, the final pack of a major, is he going to win it? Often he's quite there late on in the Masters. I'm always hoping that he doesn't win it. And, but with very, very little rationale. No, but it happens. I suppose that's... Um, that's part of the fun, really. You've just got to pick, pick your horses. Oh, I like him. I don't like him. And, um, I'll tell you what, though. That's you with Mark. I will, and I'd be interested to hear your views on this. I think our bowling attack is starting to look a little bit like a weak area. Particularly, we're, I think we're missing Liam Plunkett. We're missing someone who can keep it tight in the middle overs. 
and I, yeah, I'm just not quite sure they're picking the right bowlers at the moment. So who would he go for? So I mean, if you take the bowling attack, right, with in this limited over setup, you obviously got you got your speed options of Archer and Woods. Yeah, uh, they're fine. Very, I'm happy yeah, very very good high In in Rashid, and we'll come to him more in, in a bit. But you've got a, a wonderful limited over spinner, like really really good. Yeah, so he's not bad. I've always thought that. Yeah, there. Yeah, I have to have you, Michael. I didn't know you rated him. Never heard you mention him before. Um, so you've got those three. Uh, you then see so then probably I, I like Chris Jordan across all one day formats. I basically do you have him in your one day team? Yeah, I would. I think he's a really good bowler. Yeah, I do too. Actually, as long as you use him at the right time. Yeah, I, I yeah exactly. But he's he's reliable at the death. I think it gives you the option therefore to bowl out an archer or wood earlier. Use one of them in the middle overs to try and break up a partnership if if need be. Because um, yeah. you've got him saved at the end to bowl some death over. Jordan's better at the death than Archer at the yeah. moment. And he's better than most people. Because um, in the other one they kind of use, they like to see as his skills and tricks bowler is current. But I don't think he's quite as good. No. Viable enough. Frustrates me. Tom Curran, I think. I don't think he is worthy of an automatic starting spot that he seems to be getting at the moment. Um, and I know they like him and they same reasons they like Sam Curran to kind of make stuff happen, gritty, fighting grifters. But and you know what? The Currens, they fall into this category of people I've never liked. But I don't think Tom Curran's worth a place in the team. And I think there's a bowler who's not in there at the moment, that's particularly in T twenties, who I really think should be coming in instead of Curran, and I think it's David Willey. Why? I think he takes wickets at the top of the all at the, at the beginning of um, innings, and that's something we're really struggling to do in T20s at the moment. And I know once the swing goes, he's less effective, but as long as he makes the inroads early on, I don't really care. And he does make the inroads, he, he always takes wickets with the new ball. And I think his batting, there is so much potential there. And I think as he gets given a bit more responsibility to bat, moves a bit higher up the order, we're going to see even more returns. We saw it in the Ireland series. He bats, he opens, I think, for Yorkshire in T20s, and maybe one day as well. He can bat. I remember the first time I watched him was watching um, him win a one day the, the T20 tournament for North fans, and he was just pinging it. And he took a, he took a hat trick as well. At yeah, the end, he got Jay Dern back out. Uh, one of our favourite cricketers, um, Primo. Yeah, right at the um, right. Yeah, so the hat trick when they when they won it. So uh, no, Dave Willey's a good player. I I wonder if. I take your point, opens up, does well, takes a couple of early wickets. He bowls a bit quicker as well now. He's got a bit quicker. He's quicker in the Ireland series. I, I think I think if you pick him, you definitely you really want to have at least a sixth bowler, if not a seventh bowler option. Because I think you bowl in two or three at the start and then leave it. I just don't think he's... Either you bring him on towards the end or in the middle, that over's getting to 12 too often to, to be relied on. I, well, I think he's worth it as a bowler. You bowl him up top, takes you two wickets of the new ball and he bat him at seven and he'll ping however many. And, like, and, the, rest he, of your, and the rest of your attack would be what? Archer, Woods, Rasheen, Moeen? Yeah, Moeen, Jordan. I don't really want to pick like a complete starting 11, but I'm kind of picking the players because there is quite a lot of rotation with one day as in T20. But like, and I think Chris Wokes as well. Chris Wokes is the leader of the attack in one day as... I'm not sure why he's not around in and more around it in the T20s. I, well, I suppose they they often they often see this 2020s almost a breeding ground, good place to first play a bit of international cricket because Wokes he started his first game he played for England was a 2020 when he was pretty young, 2009 I think, so over 10 years ago now. And then Same he's, with Nick Compton's. 
Yeah, and he's, he's progressed. Bizarre sometimes. Yeah, it is bizarre. But they often that's nice to put them in there first and let them progress through the ranks. Um, but if, yeah. you, if you think of the World Cup there next year, with presumably then we want to win that. We're going to take our best possible team. Just, would you have Wokes in there with Archer, with Woods, with Rashid and Stoke? Yeah. Don't pick me. Yeah. That's probably oh, I don't know. Though. In Indy, you probably want another spinner, don't you? No, you probably do. So you play Moeen, and then who misses out then? Maybe David Willey in India might struggle. Maybe I need to backtrack. Maybe yeah, yeah. maybe in India, maybe it's not the right place for him. But I think he should be in and around the squads at the moment. I think it was harsh he wasn't included in the squads after how well he did against Highland. I suppose it's the point I'm making. Um, but I don't know who replaces those Liam Plunkett middle overs. I suppose not quite as important in T20 as it is in one day. Is. Um, so should we try and pick our should we try and pick our T20 lineup for that for that World Cup game, that yeah, first sure. World Cup game, yeah, which I was meant to be at in November. Very sad. Will, will you sad. be going? Oh well, we've already had this discussion a year on. We've see you in the well. ashes. Yeah. yeah, see you in the ashes, mate. Um, okay, fine. So I think for me, top of the order, he's proven himself evidently in this series is Butler. I'd open with. Butler and Roy. Really, Roy? I, I'm not convinced by Roy in T20s. Oh, no, I think slap it about. I like him. I'm going to have to do a little bit of research here because I've read somewhere that his T20 record isn't as good as you expect it to be. Um, no but I'd go, but, I'd go Butler and Roy and obviously still have Bairstow in there, potentially at three. Or maybe I'd still go, yeah, I think Butler's got to open. I think Butler's proven now that you've got him in there from really from the first ball. What about Banton? Uh, I don't think he's making his team for me. He's in the squad, definitely. Really good. If someone drops out, he'd be pretty much first name in. Just not sure quite back him. I personally would go Butler and Best, though, but happy to go Roy for now. But then Darren Milan has surely, for me, he has got into the team now. You can't not pick him. And I like him at three. I think he's really good at three. Yeah, probably three. Or I, was, I was thinking maybe Best, though, three. Milan, four. Morgan, five. So the reason I think Milan three, and I maybe would drop one of Best or Roy, maybe that's harsh, maybe I'm being reactionary, but I think Milan needs a little bit of time to get going, but he's also a very calming presence coming in at three. Well, the, yeah, that is true. It's the, it's the, it's, he does that thing I was talking about Australia failed to do, just, he'll just take singles. And he, he goes at actually a pretty good strike rate, not spectacular, because it, he'll hit the bad ball for four in an over, and take two singles, the other batsman might take a single, and the over's gone for seven or eight, as we're just trying to rebuild. Yeah, and exactly. It's not like we're trying to rebuild and suddenly the run rate drops right down to three or four and over. He'll keep taking those singles, hit that one bad ball for four. So many of the boundaries he scored in that, the 50 he got against Australia were, yeah, honestly, like half trackers on leg stump. He just kind of flicked. And he was sort of swatting, wasn't he? Yeah, just swatting away, knew where the field was, and I started for He... He's just through sheer weight of runs and consistency. And that's one of the things you often see lacking in 2020. Roy is a prime candidate of this. He'll win you a game where he, he smashes 60 off 25 or something. Milan is just a consistent run scorer. You feel he'll come in, he'll always deliver a 30, which is a benchmark, the new 50, if you like, for 2020. He'll score a 30 and will always post a score or get close when chasing if Milan plays. So obviously Milan's got a very small sample size, but I think his average in T20 is over 50. Yeah, Roy's average from a bigger sample, 35 games, average 24. 
which is sure. lower than I think you'd expect. But I think you're right. He's boom or bust. He'll win you a game. He'll go. He'll also get out for a low score. Um, I'm just wondering whether I want both Roy and Bersto in. Um, I think Roy for me has to do a bit of work to be an automatic pick for that World T20. Yeah, you're White. probably right. And I think he's. I mean, he hasn't played much at all. So I know he didn't get any runs yesterday. But he looks out of nick at the moment. He looks really out of nick. And so you think for me an in nick Jason Roy, a confident Jason Roy, playing. Well, yeah. An in Nick Jason Roy partner with Butler Bestow. I mean, an in Nick Bestow Roy Butler. That's a quality top three, and then you can have Milan at four. Um, so yeah, we've got options basically, and then Morgan at five, and then six Marine. I think six is Marine because he can still ping spin, like he's looking dodgy against pace. But you probably do want him in your World Cup in India. The Stokes play. Oh, yeah, Stokes, yeah. So you'd have Stokes six and then Marine seven, presumably. And then eight. eight Now you start reframing it as you think, right, who are our bowlers? So obviously Rashid's playing. I'd have Shofra, Wood and Stokes. And and Marine. So I'd have Wokes at eight, Shofra, Rashid at nine and ten and Wood at 11. No Chris Jordan, though. So where does he come in? T20s, I'd probably pick Jordan over Wood. yeah. Or Wokes would be two out of Jordan, Wokes, and Wood. Yeah, maybe I maybe I wouldn't pick Wokes. I'd play Jordan instead of Wokes. I like that. But, but Tom Cohen's not getting in there for me. Tom Cohen is not in the thinking for me right there. Well, he's, he's uh, in my. He's in my. I don't know how big. How big a squad do they take? He's in. He's in my sixteen-man squad. Maybe. Yeah, sixteen-man. So he's actually eleven. The Wokes and his twelve. Could take another spinner. Yeah, I wonder who I wonder who get the nod. Bit of Samit Patel. <laughs> Not Samit Patel. Um, uh, I think I'd have Curran in there. I'd have Banton. That's four. I'd have another batsman, maybe. David Willey. I feel, but I feel we're, we're, we're doing all right with seam options. If you've got, oh, I'd Liam go, Livingston. Liam Livingston should be in that squad. He's a good player and he can bowl a bit of spin. Interestingly, the one person who's definitely not factoring in our conversations is, is Mahmood who has really struggled when playing for England. He looks a completely different bowler compared to when he plays for Lancashire. I think he'll get there. I just think he's kind of, he's not played that many games for Lancashire and he's kind of having to learn on the job for England. And I think it's difficult. I hope he does. He look at the moment, he just looks out of his depth. Yeah, he does. But they clearly like him. They've clearly seen something and they're, right and they're, and they're pushing it. And he, I do like that about the single setup. We don't just pick players, drop them, pick players, drop them. We pick players and we give them time to see whether they can get to that level. I guess like Crawley. Crawley's a good example. Hold my hands up. I was saying, why is Crawley getting all these chances? And then look at what he's just done. And he's just hit another turn in the county championship. He's just it was like a really good time to win the game for Kent against Hampshire. So, yeah, I like that about the setup. I think Liam Livingston really does deserve a chance. He's played a lot of franchise cricket all around the world. Um, in And he's been, he played in the uh, Pakistan limited overs recently. I think it'd be really... He can bowl a bit of leg spin. His average, his economy in 180 T20s bowling is, and he's bowled 454 balls. So not a huge amount of overs, but a decent sample. And his economy is 7.74, average 16.74. Like he can bowl a few overs, which I think would be really useful in India. Those stats, economy is 7.74. And he won't, a lot of those overs won't necessarily have been against world-beating batsmen. So I'm holding my breath. I'd be, I'd be a bit nervous seeing Liam Livingston getting chucked the ball in a close T20 with a... a I mean, you could do a couple of overs. Can we agree, 
despite his dimples, Joe Denley shouldn't be anywhere near the T20 squad anymore. I mean, he just doesn't look like he fits. I love Joe Denley. I just want him to play. I know he's not probably good enough. I know there's players who deserve a shot. Ahead of but him. watching that final T20, watching him be the batsman who was in and try to push the score up, it was just painful. Like He's just not suited to it. Yeah. I, but yeah, okay, fine. I agree. Despite the dimples, I agree. <laughs> David <laughs> Milan can bowl some loopy legs, Ben. Mate, I've seen David Milan open the bowling at a T20 <laughs> bowling leg spin and they did not get a plan. So I'd, again, be hesitant to give him. I feel, I feel if in a, with the, the talent and the options we have, for David Milan to be getting an over in an international 2020, in a World Cup 2020 match, would be worrying. Not he can't bowl. He obviously can bowl. I just think we've got no, to. No, I, I, I prefer Liam Livingston, even Dan Lartz's spin options to. But, um, but what you're saying about what you're saying about Liam Livingston and playing franchise cricket around the world, that kind of thing, that's something that uh, Milan has done. He's gone played in the Pakistan Super League and yeah, and, a lot of T20s. He's yeah, a lot of T20 cricket. Performed obviously consistently previously for Middlesex. He's now at Yorkshire, but performed consistently for Middlesex in 2020s has played a lot of games, a lot of match situations. And that experience and that calmness, really, for me is why he'd always get the, obviously he's performed better than Banton, but why he'd get the nod ahead of Banton. Banton's super talented, no doubt. But Milan... Banton's only looked at home when opening. He's not looked at home anywhere else in the order. Uh, no, yeah, which I think is fair. And he, well, Banton looks like he struggles a bit, like most players in world cricket do. They can't just come in and start hitting sixes, mid-innings. It's Especially in spin. Yeah, it's easy to do at the top of innings, but people can just come in and just hit sixes from ball one. It's something Morgan can do, which is why he's been such a fantastic and consistent limited overs international player for so long. He just walks to the crease, second ball six or whatever. And Banton doesn't, unless he gets a nice little paddle sweep early on, something like that, he doesn't look like he finds it that easy to hit boundaries until he's a couple of overs in when he comes in middle order. Which is understandable. Yeah, no. I mean, that's the case with most international cricketers, let alone most cricketers generally. And for it to be an opener, it's difficult because um, there's so many other options available. Uh, Jason Roy. It's a very hard thing to get in, isn't it? But I think he's established, he's established himself as one of the next cabs off the rank. So he's done oh, well. Definitely. And a squad player. like He goes to this 2020 World Cup. I'd be very surprised if he didn't make the squad. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. If you're enjoying Hit the Six, please do subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and most other major podcast providers. Do also find us on Facebook at Hit the Six and on Twitter as well at Hit the Six Pod. Before we talk about Adam Rashid, should we just talk about the curious case of David Milan a little bit more actually? Because I think... And I- you might, I'm not sure if you agree, you agree with me on this, but I think he's not really in the in crowd. I don't think he's particularly liked by Morgan. I remember Morgan slated him after he protected his wicket rather than take a suicidal final run, last ball of an innings, when Darren Milan was on a good score and he wanted to protect his average. Or so Morgan insinuated in the interview afterwards where he kind of blasted him a bit before it and said, that's not our team culture. And obviously Morgan, backstory, came to came to Middlesex from Ireland when he was very young, thinking his teens, been there his entire career, probably feels a lot of loyalty towards the club, still makes appearance for them when he can. And Darren Milan's just left them, having been captain, and gone to Yorkshire, and I don't think it went down very well at all. And just sort of get the sense Morgan doesn't like him, and I don't think he's won the in crowd, and he has to do so much more than anyone else to push his case. Like, he's averaging well over 50, and there's still all this talk of, oh, is he a pick? Is he an automatic pick? What do you think? Uh, 
I mean, yeah, in one sense, you're, you're probably right. Maybe they don't get on brilliantly. Um, but there's also the like, say what? They're both men in their 30s and both seem to be performing very well alongside each other. Seem to be able to rub along fine, even if they're not great, great mates. And I know Morgan likes his, his you know, his team, it's his team, his culture. But in Morgan's defence, he seems happy for David to play for David to contribute regularly to them winning. So, yeah, I mean, I, you're probably right. Maybe they don't get on well. I know his moves to Yorkshire will get on brilliantly with those at Middlesex, but I can understand why he left because they were still in Division 2. He wants to play some test cricket, although because of the whole bubble thing and the one day, he's had very little chance to play the longer form of the game this year. But he made the move for his career and to push for England one more time. So I can understand why he did leave. Uh, but ultimately, Morgan's happy for him to be part of the team and say, yeah, I think it's all good. I do think if he doesn't get picked, then maybe you'll have more of a point. Because he's... I, think it's, I think it's one to watch, is all I'd say. I, it's just, and it's not really based on a lot. It's just sort of based on vibes that you pick up. Yeah. Um, but hey, he's doing well. England are doing well as a result. And yeah, yeah, he is doing well. It's he all, doing well. All good. In fact, he's not just doing well. He's doing extraordinarily well. Yeah, I mean, averaging over 50 in T20s at a good strike rate is insane. Chris Gale scored five 50s in his first 14 2020s. So that was the most anyone had scored in their first 14 2020 internationals. And Milan had scored eight in his first 14. So that is the start of a 2020 international career like no other. It's superb. And they're not slow. People's eyes and, you know, they're not, not spectacular, but they're not slow. Like, he, he hits boundaries effortlessly. Well, and he starts slow. That's what the people say. But then he speeds up. He's always got a decent strike rate of around 120 by the end of an innings, sometimes more. But he starts slow. I think it's the point. Fine. It takes a couple of balls to get in. But that's absolutely fine, especially if he's batting free. Yeah. So, so do, as I said, 90% of international cricketers, there are very few who can come in and just go bang from ball one. He's the number one T20 batsman in the world. Yeah, of course he is. He scores 50 every time he plays. Average of 48.71. With a strike okay. rate, with a strike rate actually of 146.66. It's it's not, I mean for me he's almost first name on team sheets that good. And actually there's a big case that he plays the one dayers. Given he's in the reserves now. Oh, but you think he's in that kind of neck? You think honestly, bold call. David Milan played last night. We would have won. Instead of having yeah. to scratch around, score one off twelve. Milan would have helped. Great neck. Would have knocked knocked around seventy off fifty. Sure. Actually, that's the point. We didn't. So I'm just looking at a team list right now for the one dayers. There's two names we didn't talk about at all. One of which is Joe Root. Does Joe Root get anywhere near your um, your T20 World Cup squad? Because he's made it very clear he wants to be. He just went to hit a very nice 70 odd for Yorkshire. Well, the person he'd be take the place of is um, is Milan. But Milan yeah. did well. So I, I'd say no. I think it's in England's interest that he doesn't play all three formats. Let him play one day in Test cricket and, and focus on those. Exactly. And the other Fine. one, Billings, of course. Yeah, there you go. Century maker last night. Um, fair play. Very to good player of spin. So actually, I think he would be in my squad for India. Fair enough. I mean, he's one of those ones. He's like a band. He's he's in that. He's next cab off the rank. He's in that squad. He's, he's he hard, get... It's hard to talk ill of a man who scored a century last night in difficult circumstances. I know he didn't win the game, but if he hadn't scored those runs, I think we would have got nowhere near. Because he's had a lot of stick from people for getting all these chances and never converting. But actually, look at it. And he barely plays. 
He's always in the squad. He's been in the squad for years. But he only plays max a game per series. So he never gets any chance to build up momentum, form. He just gets dropped in and expected to do well. So I'd really like to see him get a little bit of a run of opportunities, actually. Yeah, well, maybe he will this, this series. Particularly off that 100. It'd be very hard to not pick him in the, in the next two games. So best, yeah. best of luck to him. So I've heard there's a good spinner that you quite rate, Rob. Yeah, I've... Um, I, well, yeah. Are you converted? I, well, I was never not converted. I don't well. One day, a limited overs bowler. Um, but I would go as far as to say... He's England's best spinner, if we're taking any format, England's best performing spinner in a international format since the war. That's how good I think he is in one day and 2020s. I so, think Swan would push him pretty close in test cricket. Well, in, like, say, like, in terms of being Laker, the best in his format. I'm talking Jim Laker, Derek Underwood, great ball. Al Rashid in limited overs cricket is incredible. Take him out. He is. And even, I think what testament to how good he was, was he was injured in that World Cup and he still played well. Yeah, he did a job, didn't he? He did didn't tear it up, but he did a job. He did a job. He's such a consistent performer. And that, you know, that Googly's removed Finch was just brilliant. The drop catch off Finch and um, for Bearstow, we went straight to the gloves. The way he responded, he couldn't believe it in the moment, but he just brushed it off, came back, kept bowling absolute weapons of deliveries. I mean, Finch is a good player of spin. The extent to which that googly did Finch was unbelievable. He missed it by at least three bats. It was incredible. <laughs> he played down the completely wrong line. Oh, it was such a good moment. That was my ball of the summer, actually. Well, yeah, I think and fair enough. He, he's, he's great. He's so good. And I think... Um... And I think like Moeen gets a lot of grief for not being that good a spinner often in limited overs. Or he doesn't do well. He just does a job. He does a job. Yeah, but I think often because just because we compare him to Rashid, didn't know we were comparing, comparing him to a bowler who is so so good in this format of the game. He's not. He's never going to perform as well as Rashid because he's not as good. But he does bowl well. So no I one can pick the googly, can they? No. And I think there's a lot to be said for this leg spinner, dart and a dart bowler combo. It's what Australia have in Zampa and Agar. Uh, and I think that's kind of what Rashid and, and Moeen offer uh, as well in their own way. Yeah, I mean Zampa's not really, Zampa's a very different kind of leg spinner though, isn't he? Barely turns it. No, he, he's kind he of a dart leg spin bowler. I think that's harsh. I think he he doesn't just bowl. He's not afraid to chuck it up, that give it some air. He doesn't spin it. He doesn't rag it. He doesn't have the the raw ability that maybe a Rashid does. But um, but I like Adam Zampa. Let's quickly talk about him. He's an interesting character. There's a nice little piece of BBC Sport. You read the article, yeah. And he, he comes across as quite funny in the, again, in the test. The, him and Stoyness, a little odd pair with his, you know, his coffees that he brews and all this. What do you make of Adam Zampa, the, the package? Not just the cricketer, but not quite just the man. The whole, the whole thing. I like him. I think he's a breath of fresh air. And do you know why I like him? Because I reckon a lot of people hate him. And I think he probably knows that. And he probably and he just gets on with it and he's himself and I quite like that. I don't think people should hate him though. I I, I like it. No, but you know what I mean. Stuffy old conservative cricket fans who <laughs> think he's a bit like, or even like kind of laddie cricket fans. Uh, you can see how he'd rub people up the wrong way. Those are the ones I don't think would like him. I don't think your stuffy old cricket fans would have a problem with him. Like take my my dad in a way would fall into that category, right? No, your dad's not stuffy though. Your dad is like you know, <laughs> he's fun. Right. Um, but so I'll take some of my dad's friends who are in their sixties, classic 
public school MCC member types. I don't think none of them would, I don't think them would take a disliking to Adam Zampo. He's not. They just, they just like the really boorish, loutish types. But I yeah, think they were like beery types. There was the example he gave was that David Booney drank all those beers on the flight over. They're the types who maybe find a bit. He's not that in your face, laddish or Aussie, swearing all the time type of character. He's just a bit different. No, I like him. I think he seems like an alright guy for an Aussie. Um, so fair play, and he's a, he's clearly an effective T Twenty spinner uh, and a one day spinner. I went on his quick info page out of curiosity the other day, as that's what you do on a Wednesday afternoon. And he's actually, I think, he moved um, first class sides in Australia quite recently because he does want to get back into first class cricket a bit, and he's had no opportunities to do so. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with him. Well, he's but he's becoming like too many of these spinners. I think often they they just stick to. It's easier to be a limited over spinner. Yeah, yeah, it's and fewer and fewer say right. I'm gonna really give the Red Bull game a, a go. Well, that connects us in quite nicely to our final conversation topic. The bandwagon, more and more people are jumping on board. It was started by me, let's remember. But we've now got Ed Smith. We've now got Chris Silverwood. Everyone, uh, we've got now got Owen Morgan. Everyone's jumping on board. I think all we need for Rashid to be a quality test spinner is Rashid to decide he wants to be a quality test spinner, and um, I think he'll tear it up this winter. I disagree. I would love it to happen. I, I mean, I don't, the only, this is one of those frustrating ones where I, the only reason I really don't want it to happen and for him to flop is to see how disappointed you will be uh, and how wrong you'll be proven. But taking you out as if I didn't know you uh, and didn't or didn't know you loved Adel Rashid, I'd love him to perform well. I think he's a stand-up fella, a great bowler. He's been so good in one-day cricket. It's one of those ones I just think, why can't he do it in test cricket? A bit like... Uh, Joss Butler, who finally has started doing it in Test cricket, but my concern is just that the lack of consistency—that one bad ball and over relief pressure. When he, he can bowl a partnership-breaking delivery, he could, I know his nickname's the Hoover. He'll take wickets against the tail. Maybe, yeah, so maybe the second spinner will sneak in, but I just think he lacks a consistency. I think that's it. I'm, I'm realistic enough to know. I don't think he's got a future as England's sole Test spinner. But I think he's a wonderful second spinner. I think he's a wonderful attacking second option on pitch as a favourite. That's what I think. Um, and yeah, I do think he could do that job as a sole spinner. Yeah, I understand. As a, I think it's really hard to be honest to have a leg spinner as a sole spinner because there are going to unless you're un, unless you're an unbelievable leg spinner and who doesn't bowl that many bad balls because otherwise you will bowl them and they'll get hit. Although to be honest, off spinners bowl bad balls as well. Don Best loves bowling bad balls. It's because they're attacking. That's the thing. It's that you don't, you don't get very few leg spinners. You can sell this. Shove them on for six overs to hold an end. It's one no, of the they're, they're going for it. Yeah, it's one of the weaknesses in the Pakistan attack when they pick the two spinners, Yazir and Shadab. They're both great bowlers, and particularly Yazir, and he takes lots of wickets, but they often go at four and over quite regularly. And so you don't have that holding end option. And very few people can, I mean, obviously, like Warren, that's about it, really. All I would say, though, is England's attack, England's test attack, if you've got Anderson Broad in it, has a lot of holding in it already. Like, it has a lot of consistency in it already. So maybe we could do with that slightly more extra attacking option. Yeah, I, I um, like, you, you always make it clear. You, you're, you're impassioned, please, for this, I tell you. Um, his speeds have gone up as well. His shoulder's fixed now, and he's now able to bowl faster, which is important for test cricket. Yeah, I mean, if this was a debate in Parliament, I always wonder how often MPs change their mind during these debates. But if this was a debate in Parliament, Michael, and you stood up and as the Honourable Member for Barking and Dagenham and made this plea for Adel Rashid to 
to be selected in Test cricket. I think I'd be someone who'd be it'd be switching switching sides. You you'd always you always get me excited by the end of one of these discussions. So basically, I just need to get in a room. I need to get in a room with Ed Smith and Chris Silverwood and really go for it. That's that's basically what I need to do. Although actually, the interesting thing is, you know, I said where it's up to Adam Rashid. That's what they're all saying, isn't it? They're all saying, does he want it? Because he's not really made it clear that he does, and he might be, like you said, just quite happy to continue being one of the best one-day bowlers in the world. Why go into a format he struggled in? His shoulder might not be able to hack it, even though he's had a successful operation. Maybe it can hack the more overs he has to bowl in test cricket. And maybe he'll just decide he's happy with how it's going at the moment, which would be understandable, but a bit disappointing. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'd, I'd like to see him one more go. And hopefully, hopefully it'll go uh, okay. Uh, anyway, Michael, I reckon that's all, all we've got time for. I've really enjoyed this. A bit less structured, a good old-fashioned... Chinwag. Yeah, a bit of pub chat, really, over a lager, except we're on Zoom and I'm still in my pyjamas and it's not yet 11 in the morning. Um, so no lager in hand, but uh, it's, it's exciting to be. I was messaging you this week just how good this England limited overs team is. I know we lost last night, but we still got... It was quite play. funny that you were messaging me this and saying the best one day team in history. And I was looking at the scorecard like, oh. <laughs> and just to clarify, obviously best English one day team in history. The Australian team that didn't lose a World Cup game between 1999 and 2007 are definitely better than we are now. I mean, there's no disputing it's the best England one-day team in history. Like, well, no, I'm is saying it. best England, are they? We might discuss this in a later podcast. Are they the best England team of a format? Oh, this nice. So are they better than an England test team that got to world number one in 2010-11? Probably. Are they better than England teams that have been very successful in the past, in the 80s, or great teams in the 50s with an unbelievable batting lineup of Contons and Barringtons and you know, all the rest of it? Like, maybe. I think they're that good. But they were 57 for four at the time I was messaging this, um, chasing near around 300. Um, so not good timing. <laughs> but we are good, and it's exciting, and it's fun. And it's what's so frustrating is I was really looking forward to going to a couple of limited overs games this uh, summer and watching them play, but alas, no crowds. But hopefully next year, uh, I'd love to go back and watch more of this England team in the flesh in these one-day games because they are so exciting yeah absolutely it's been lovely cheers rob have a great one and catch up next week hit for six is exactly back. don't you worry hit for six is back and we'll be talking about the bob willis final yes of course um, and many other things to, to discuss in the, in the coming weeks see you mate cheers guys bye